We welcome you all to worship this morning. Guests and visitors among among you a special among us a special welcome. This morning our call to worship comes from Psalm 103 verses 1 and 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. We'll now turn to the New Testament, to the epistle of Paul to the Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, and we will read the first nine verses. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of of the Lord. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart, as unto Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing, with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he, is, whether he be bond or free. And ye masters, do the same things unto them, forbearing threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is there respect of persons with him. So far, the reading of God's holy word. Dear church family, this morning we come to Lord's Day 39 in, the he- in our Heidelberg Catechism, question 104, which you can find on page 75 in the back of our Psalters. Question 104. What doth God require in the fifth commandment? Answer, that I show all honor, love, and fidelity to my father and mother and all in authority over me, and submit myself to their good instruction and correction with due obedience, and also patiently bear with their weaknesses and infirmities, since it pleases God to govern us by their hand." Dear congregation, it doesn't take much to look around us in the world that we live in and to examine the past 10, 15, 20, 30 years and see the, the incredible decline in the demonstration of respect and honor for those in authority, whether that's towards parents, police officers, teachers, judges, mayors, or political uh, p- people in positions of political authority. And the reasons for these declines, they are many and various. But at the root of them, at the root of this undermining of the moral fabric of our society, is the removal of any basis for authority. We have done away with the Lord in society. We have said we do not want him to rule over us. We've done away with his God-given order. And we, with the Apostle Paul um, in Romans 1, where he talks about how we've suppressed the truth of God in unrighteousness. And by doing that, we, we're putting the law of God that he has written upon our hearts. We're putting it to disrepute and, and open shame, saying it's not worthy to be followed and to, 
to be lived by. Now, it's easy, it's easy to look out at the world around us and see this moral decline in our societies. But as a church, we, we cannot be naive to think that what is happening in the world as a whole does not impact us and, and our, in the church and as individuals. There is a growing decline for and disrespect for those in positions of authority. And in in some ways it has impacted us and our families. We have to be honest with ourselves. The prevailing ties of society are making their way and have made their way in some ways into into the church. And so it's very appropriate for us to, to stop and consider and to hear the Lord's call for us to live in submission first to Him, because He is the Lord. He is the God who has made everything. He is the God who has, who has placed various people in positions of authority. And so we need to also consider what, what does it look like to live in submission to those that he has placed in those positions. This is a submission that is just not to be a mere outward fulfillment of submission, but it is, it is a call to, to obey, to honor, that flows from a heart that in the first place loves the Lord. This call to obedience is found throughout the the scriptures, both in the Old and New Testament. Our Lord Jesus himself not only taught and demonstrated or taught this in, in various ways at various times in his ministry, but he lived it out. He demonstrated it as he walked the earth for, for 33 years. And the Apostle Paul, on numerous occasions, in the book of Romans and in many of his epistles, draws our attention to this call to submit to those in authority. And the book of Ephesians is one of these places. And Paul does brings our attention to, as we read from Ephesians 6, verses 1 through 9, we're going to be focusing this morning on verses 1 through 4 in particular, but he does so in the context of the work of the Lord. And we see this, just want to give a brief overview of the book of Ephesians. In chapters 1 through 3, we find Paul directing our attention to the, the work of God, his amazing grace in, in redeeming sinners that he has chosen to bring into a relationship with him. How we were once dead and he brought us into that marvelous light, gave us life by his free gift of grace and mercy shown to us. Chapters 1 through 3 address this, who he is and what he has done. And then in chapter 4 through 6, Paul transitions and we read um, in chapter 4 verse 1, he beseeches the Ephesians. Because of all that, the, that, that he's just taught, that he's just written in chapters 1 through 3, he says he beseeches them to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith we are called. A vocation there, children, means calling. Walk worthy of the calling wherewith we are called. And then in chapter 5, at the beginning of chapter 5, he says, Walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and has given himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice for a sweet-smelling sweet smelling savor. In chapters 4 through 6, Paul is, is, in a very practical way, is demonstrating what this kind of life is going to look like. What it means to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith we are called. What it means to walk in love as Christ did. And he's going to demonstrate in, in various contexts of daily life. In chapter, chapter 4, he addresses 
what it looks like in the church in terms of being living in unity with one another. In chapter 5, he addresses marriage. In chapter 6, the first part we hope to consider in family relationships. In chapter Later in the chapter, as we read in verses 5 through 9, what it looks like in the context of, in our present day, let's put it in our words, in, in the workplace, as we, as we are either employers or employees. And then he broadens out, says, you're called to spiritual warfare, but you're equipped. And so this morning we want to zoom in on verses 1 through 4. In light of the, also in light of the Heidelberg Catechism on the fifth commandment. And we hope to consider that this thought that we are called to walk worthy of our vocation. Our vocation as, if you're children, your, your calling is to, to be as children or students in the classroom, in the home. Or to walk worthy of our vocation as parents. And we are to do so out of thankfulness for what the Lord has done for sinners like ourselves, particularly if we know him and love him. And so we too are to walk in love, to love the Lord, but also to love our neighbors. We are to recognize, we are to do this by recognizing those whom the Lord has placed in positions of authority. And those who, as, who are in positions of authority to recognize those who have been placed under our care and protection. And we are to also demonstrate to them, to those in authority, the necessary honor, respect, obedience. And those in positions of authority, what it means to nurture, care for, protect promote the well-being of those under our care. So we hope to consider this under the theme, walking worthy through or in light of the fifth commandment. And we want to consider the people, the practice, and the purpose. Now as we come to the, as we come to the fifth commandment, we need to recognize two things from the, from the outset. Before this is the first commandment that, or in this commandment, we have the transition as we go from the first table of the law to the second table of the law. So we want to keep that in mind as we, as we approach. And as we consider that, as we transition from the first table of the law to the second table, we're being, we're transitioning from our, our understanding what it means to deal with our vertical relationship. How do we stand before the Lord? No other gods. Serve me in the way that I've called you to. Use my name wisely. Honor me by honoring and keeping the Sabbath. And now we transition to the horizontal relationships in our, in our lives. And the Lord's call to love those around us. This is something that our Lord Jesus himself drew our attention to in Matthew 22, verses 37 through 39, where Jesus says, thou shalt, as, as he's asked to give, what is the question, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus said unto him, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So as we are called to love those around us, this love can only really be given when we first love the Lord our God. And this is what the Apostle John argues and presents in 1 John chapter 4. He says, if we are going to love our neighbor, we need to love the Lord. And if we say we love the Lord, but we don't love our neighbor, then we are making him a liar or we are liars. So in the first place, dear church family, we're called to love the Lord above all. And then in light of that, to serve and to love those around us out of thankfulness for what he has done for for sinners like we are. 
But the second thing we need to recognize is that the call to love our neighbors is, is obligatory, whether we know the Lord or do not know the Lord. It's, it is paramount in our lives. And Paul talks about the law having been written upon our hearts. From the very beginning, God, when God created man in his image, that was written, children, that was written on your hearts to love God above all and our neighbors as ourselves. It's a creation principle to honor those in, in authority. You see it in the institution of marriage, which came before the fall. And yes, after the fall, that commandment still is given to us. We're still called to uphold it and to keep it. And the challenge is we can't. But we don't want to by nature. And so we need, we need the Lord's grace and mercy to, to reveal to us that by nature we are, are selfish, our motives are impure, and we often love for the wrong reasons, mixed reasons. So what does it mean to love our neighbor? Well, this is, this is the beauty of the second table of the law. We get a wholesome picture, this whole view picture of what it looks to, like to love our neighbors as ourself. And in the fifth commandment, the Lord provides us with the framework for a society as a whole, one that is meant to provide structure and order for society so that we can love our neighbors as ourselves, as we love the Lord. The fifth commandment provides a paradigm for how society ought to be ordered and, and preserved. It's one where the people of God, when, when upheld, the people of God can thrive in their love for him and for their neighbor. And so as we, as we consider this commandment, we, what it means to walk worthy of our callings, we, the first place we want to just briefly consider the people that Paul addresses in our passage, the parties addressed in the fifth commandment. And he draws our attention to, to, the, to two primary components, children and parents. Paul writes, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Children, as we read that, did you, did you see the Apostle Paul address you in particular? Children, a, di- a direct word from the Lord to, to yourselves. Children, obey your parents. Honor your father and mother. Paul here is explicitly addressing the children of, of the Ephesian flock. But implicitly in the fifth commandment, parents are also being addressed, or being called, commanded to live in, in a certain way in relationship to their, to their children. And Paul is going to to focus our attention on that in verse 4 when he says, And ye fathers. The command comes to both children and parents to live in a, in a way, in a certain way, in a certain order, structure. But the commandment goes much further than just the relationship between children and their parents. It addresses all relationships where there are mutual duties and responsibilities that exist between inferiors and superiors. And as a result, the command impacts every area of of our life. Yes, beginning in the home, the relationships between husbands and wives, between children and parents, it extends into the church as a flock, to our elders and to our pastors. It extends to the school, students to their teachers, teachers and students to to the board. It extends in society at many different levels, as citizens to those that are 
our representatives. It extends in the workplace to employers and employees. And the Catechism summarizes this when it says, I shall show all honor, love, and fidelity to my father and mother, but all in authority over me. There is not an area of life where you do not fall into one of these two categories. And in some cases, you may be in multiple categories. You may be, in some relationships, the inferior, in others, the superior. At times, or we all will fall into the inferior category in one way or another, ultimately to the Lord, who is great and glorious. Children, you fall into that category of the inferior at this stage in your life. The Lord has called you to submit to your, to the care and authority of your parents, of your teachers, to God, to your elders. At times, you'll find yourself as a superior, whether that's as parents, as an employer, as an elder, as a government official, as a police officer, called to be responsible for the care and well-being of others that have been placed under under your care. Friends, have you sat down and considered where you are in relationship to others in your life and what the Lord calls you, how he calls you to live in relationship to them. So Paul begins by addressing and acknowledging that there are various groups of people but he, does, he goes beyond that as he says, okay, so what? How do we now live? What is our responsibilities in relation to being children or being parents? And Paul begins by looking at so what the practice is with some very clear directives, commands that he gives. He says to children, obey your parents in the Lord. Children, what does it mean to obey? Does it mean, it means more than just listening and saying, oh, I heard you, mom and dad, or mom or dad. It means more than just saying you acknowledge the words that, they, that come to you from them. It means more than even just doing what mom and dad ask you to do. But it goes to the core of our heart and our being. How we do it when we respond in obedience do we do it with a uh, do we respond with a willing and joyful heart a servant like heart the lord calls us people to serve him and to love him with with a willing and a joyful obedience to his commandments and so children you too are called to to hear your mom and dad and listen to them hearken to them and obey them with joyfulness and a servant like heart and so if mom asks you to clear the dishes off the table and to load the dishwasher, it's not enough to just do it with a, a grumbling, complaining heart. But how maybe grumbling even out loud, how you have to do everything and maybe your sister doesn't have to do as much as you do. He calls you to do it with a, a servant-like heart. But it's not just for children. But this applies to our, the various spheres in our lives. So fathers and mothers, and as we take up our callings, wherever that might be, whether it's in the home or in the workplace, maybe even those mundane tasks that you find so boring, and you do so as you're instructed with a, with a heart of joy and a delight to serve. So whether you're a trucker and you've been assigned that boring, hard route or as a nurse, maybe in the hospital and you know the patients that are in on your floor, 
and you've been assigned a very challenging or difficult patient. How do we do it? Well, Paul says, and the scriptures say, we, we are to do it as unto the Lord. And Paul draws our attention to this, children. He says in verse 1, Children, obey your parents in the, in the Lord. In the Lord. Now, he's not necessarily referring here to parents who are in the Lord. So he's not saying you, don't, you only have to be obedient to your parents if they are in the Lord. That's not what Paul is saying. And he is not necessarily saying you only have to obey if you are in the Lord, children. But Paul is, what Paul is saying is that you are to obey as if you're doing it unto the Lord. Whereas you, as you receive instruction or commands from your parents to do certain things, do you hear it as coming from the Lord himself? Martin Lloyd-Jones says, We are to obey our parents and honor them and respect them because it is part of our obedience to our Lord, Je- Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Ultimately, that is why we are to do it, to obey the command for Christ's sake. So children, obey in the Lord your parents. Now we know, children, that we don't always do that. And we need the Lord Jesus to be able to really live out this commandment with our hearts and our minds. Because by nature, even as children, as young people, we we don't like to submit to those in authority. We'd rather do our own thing. We'd rather continue to play another round of a particular game with our friends online instead of logging off and going to help. Or or we'd rather check our messages once more. Or we'd rather shoot a few more hoops before we put into practice. Or maybe to read the last few pages of that chapter that needs to be, you just want to get done in that book before you set it down and get to go about the task that you've been called to. Delayed obedience is not obedience. But this also applies to others in other spheres of life. And as we get older, our excuses for our disobedience, our delayed obedience they can often become more sophisticated as we attempt to justify why we do or not do certain things. Now Paul continues. He says, obey your parents. But then again in, chapter, in verse 2 he says, honor, honor thy father and thy mother. This involves... Honoring, honoring your parents, children, involves more than just obedience to their instruction and correction. Honoring is a way of life that demonstrates both in your words and, and in your actions respect and love for your mom and dad, the ones that God has providentially placed over you for your care, It means to esteem them for their guidance in life, despite their shortcomings. It means to demonstrate a thank- thankfulness, both in words and your attitude and your demeanor for their care and their support. It means to be patient with, their, with them in their weaknesses. So to honor your mom and dad is extensive. To respect them, to love them, to esteem them for their guidance, to just demonstrate their thankful, a thankful heart to them, and to be patient with them. Children, your mom and dad are sinners. They will make mistakes. They will sin. They may even sin against you. And so we honor our parents and others that the Lord has placed over us. 
by, re- by recognizing that the Lord has placed them in your life to care for you, to guide you. And one of the ways that you can honor them and, is praying for them. Pray for them, that they might have wisdom to lead you and to guide you. That they may know the grace of God, the forgiveness of God when they fail. Speak well of your parents. Help them and listen to them. Have a servant heart in your home, in your classroom. But this fifth commandment not only comes to our children, it also comes to us as parents. It comes to you, moms and dads. And to all of those all of us who are in positions of authority or in places of responsibility for the care of others. Implicit in this command is the call is a call for us as parents to to provide an environment that is conducive to helping your children keep this commandment. Implicit in this command, parents, is to provide an environment that helps your children, that that is conducive for them to grow up and help them care for, to, to keep this command, to obey you and to honor you. Now, Paul, Paul addresses this very thing in verse 4, and he does so with both a negative and a positive exhortation says, and ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. Paul begins with fathers. Note before, children were called to obey your parents, mom and dad. And then verse 2, honor a father and mother. And now as Paul focuses in on the responsibilities of the parents, he addresses fathers. And you fathers. Why? Why does Paul narrow this down to, to the fathers alone? Well, I think there, there are two, two reasons, maybe. The first is because we as fathers tend to be more prone to exasperate our children. Or because, and for sure this one, the Lord has called us to be the heads of our homes. So for sure the latter But because we are sinners, dads, often the former as well. Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. This word provoke to wrath has the idea of do not anger them, exasperate them in an ongoing and repeated manner. Your children might get angry with you because of something you've done or said or some of the extents and because of their own sinful hearts. But what Paul here is addressing is don't exasperate them continually, provoking them to, to wrath or to anger. One commentator says fathers are urged not to assert their authority over children in a, in a manner more calculated to provoke resentment than ready obedience. And in Colossians 3.21, Paul gives this, in, this exhortation with the following reason. He, he adds to this command, lest they be discouraged, lest your children be discouraged. So fathers, we need to remind ourselves, at times, are we exasperating our children But instead, Paul says, here's what you should be doing. Bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Bring them up. The basic idea of this Greek word is the idea of nurture them. Nurture them or nourish them. Make this an ongoing pattern of your life the way it's presented in the original. And not just for their physical well-being, but for their entire life, their, their spiritual well-being and care as well. Paul is not only issuing the command to, to bring them up or to nurture them and nourish them, but he also is going to say, here's what this is going to look like. Here's how you can do this. And he adds these two 
additional aspects to this. In, in our English translation, it says, in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. In the nurture, the word in the original is a very comprehensive word. It's a word that speaks to the whole training and education of your children. This involves, and it involves just more than words. This involves instruction, verbal instruction, but it also involves discipling, disciplining, modeling for your children what your expectations are. It means bringing your children to the Word of God, leading them, helping them to grow in their understanding of the Scriptures and the ways of the Lord. It means directing your children's attention to the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who who lived out this commandment perfectly, who lived in perfect submission to his earthly parents. It means directing them to his willingness, Christ's willingness to do the will of his heavenly Father. It means directing them with the same meekness and gentleness that Christ leads and guides his people. And this will be this will involve more than just your words. But this instruction ought to be witnessed in your lives as fathers and as mothers. Moms and dads, do do your children see you living out what you call them to? Do they see me living out what we teach them? Do they see us loving the Lord above all and our neighbors as ourselves? Do they see us obeying those whom the Lord has placed in authority over us? Do they see us respecting and honoring those in authority? Do they see us practicing what we teach, what we call them to? But it not only encompasses a, a, a holistic approach to instructing them and bringing them up in the fear of the Lord, but Paul then adds this, and, uh, admin, and in the admonition of the Lord. Not only called to instruct and disciple, but to lovingly admonish, to warn, to rebuke those who have been placed under your care. Parents, your children are sinners. They will fail. They will come short of keeping this commandment as well. And they will be need to be admonished, to be directed back to the Word of God, to, to confess their sins to the Lord. They will be, need to be admonished and, and called to look to the Lord Jesus Christ, to turn to him for the forgiveness of their sins. They will, be, they will need admonishment to put off sin and to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. They will need to be exhorted to look to the Lord to serve him, to love him, and to, and to live for him. They will need to be admonished to, to live in ways that are pleasing to him. To have a heart, a servant heart. So parents, admonish your children. Direct them with mercy and grace and the gentleness that our Lord Jesus Christ comes and directs us and admonishes us and challenges us. But also model this before them by extending grace and mercy to your children as they fail, as they confess their sins to you, show mercy and grace. And these principles that Paul gives us here in as to children and to us as parents, they extend beyond into every sphere of life. To, uh, to my brother elders and pastors and deacons, as you serve the flock, 
recognize that those who have been placed under our care, we are called to raise, we are called to, to, to encourage, to, in the words of the, the apostle, to nurture in, in, in the admonition of the Lord, to bring up this flock. They are our care and responsibility. We will have to give an account, brothers, for how we instruct and lead and the people placed under our care. Lead with your words and your actions. Yet we recognize that we, we will fail. We will fail as parents. We will fail as office bearers. We will fail as employers and employees, as leaders. And we will need that same grace and mercy that our children need when they fail. And so we too are, will need to seek the Lord again and again to come to him for the power of Christ and for the help of the Holy Spirit to, to live out this commandment in our respective callings. And so children, bear patiently with your parents, with their weaknesses and infirmities. And dear flock, bear patiently with the weaknesses and the shortcomings of your pastors and your elders and your deacons. And do pray for us. Pray for us that we would live faithfully and be faithful to the, to the very word of God. And as we see our shortcomings in whatever context we find ourselves in as parents, as children, as, as office bearers, as employers or employees, as we, as we recognize we fall short, we, we need encouragements. We need to be reminded of why we are called to do this. And the apostle gives us, I'm going to bring our attention to two, two encouragements, two reminders. The Lord, through his servant, the apostle Paul, comes to us and grants, gives us two, two reasons as to why we ought and must walk faithfully as our Lord and Savior walked. In the first place, in Ephesians 6.1, Paul adds, after instructing children to obey your parents in the Lord, he says, he adds this, for this is right. For this is right. It is the Lord our God who has established what is right and just And he sees this way of living, of children obeying your parents, as acceptable and pleasing in his sight. We need to understand that it's the holiness of God that requires and expects, for this was God's ordained way from the very beginning, from before the fall. It's the way that his dear son, his well-beloved son walked as he lived on this earth for 33 years. He lived in faithful obedience, first to his father, his heavenly father. He walked in obedience to this fifth command, fifth commandment, subjecting himself to his earthly parents for, for 33 years. He placed himself under the scrutiny of earthly, of a, of a human judge submitting himself to the sentence of death that came his way by this unjust judge. Yes, we, we will fall short. We will fail. But we don't go alone because the Lord says this is right. And when the Lord calls us to walk in his ways and to do what is right, he, he grants grace and mercy and help in our time of, in our time of need. To live in a way that is right and pleasing in his sight. And so it brings us back again to the fact that we need the Lord Jesus Christ to help us to live out this this commandment. But in the second place, the Apostle Paul directs our attention to the fact that this is a commandment that comes with a promise. And Paul adds here, which is the first commandment with promise. Paul is drawing our attention to this fact. 
Here's the commandment. Out of the Ten Commandments, the ten words of the Lord that came to the children of Israel, here's the first one that has a promise associated with it. Highlighting that as we walk in obedience in the ways of the Lord, we will experience his blessing. But the converse is true. If we fail to walk in the ways of the Lord in obedience to him, we can experience his justice and his judgment. And friends, didn't we see this with Jonah just last week as he he walked, he ran away in disobedience to the Lord. The Lord pursued him with his justice and found him. So we are called to honor our father and our mother. So honor, love, fidelity to all those in authority. By submitting to their good instruction and correction and patiently bearing with them so that it may be well with thee, Paul says, that you may live long on the earth. Now, we, we know that our keeping of the commandments is not, will not merit the, the blessing. But it is in walking in the ways of the Lord out of thankfulness for his mercy and grace that's found in Christ Jesus that we, we will experience and know the, the blessings of the Lord. For the Lord is pleased to, to govern and bless his people who ter- and in turn make them a blessing to others. And the, lo- the Lord adds this promise, this promise that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth so that we might see that he values and he esteems those who honor him by honoring those in positions of authority. The Lord adds this promise so that we might see how necessary this command is for a godly and ordered life. He adds this promise so that we might see the incredible link between loving God above all and our neighbors as ourselves. The two are the two summaries of the command of the law. The summary of the law are integrally connected as we go from the vertical to the horizontal. And the Lord wants us to recognize that we cannot do the latter without doing the former. So dear church family, what does your walk look like? Are you walking worthy of the calling that the Lord has called you to? As children, as parents, as children, are you walking worthy of the call by living in obedience to your mom and dad, honoring them, esteeming them? Moms and dads, are you walking in the calling that the Lord has called you to as you lead your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord? As the members of the flock who are under the care of and the oversight of the elders, deacons, and pastors, are you walking in the way that he's calling you to? And brothers of the consistory, are you walking in the way that the Lord has called you to? As employers, as employees, as students, in every facet and area of the life, are you walking in love in the calling that he has called you to? Oh yes, we're, we're going to fall short. We so often don't walk worthy of our calling. But my, my friend, my question then is, when you recognize your shortcomings, when you recognize the times you fall short, you sin, where does it drive you to? Where does it lead you to in your 
in your shortcomings? Does it lead you to the one who has done all things well? To the one who has lived a perfect life, who lived in perfect submission to his heavenly father and to his earthly parents? Does it lead you back to the Lord Jesus Christ for forgiveness, for help, for strength? Do you seek your hope in him alone? Do you seek your strength, the grace to walk in his ways, to walk in the calling that he has called you to? If it, if it does continue to go there, lean on him, look to him. If it doesn't, friend, you need to go there. You need him in order for you to be able to walk in his ways. Oh, look to him again and again and again. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, that it may be well with you, that you may live long on the earth. And parents and fathers, do not provoke or exasperate your children to anger, but rather bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. For the Lord says, this is right, and it is his will. Amen. Lord, we're thankful for the practical instruction that thou dost give to us from thy word. We do pray, Lord, that we would receive grace and mercy and strength and help to be able to walk in thy ways, to walk according to the callings wherewith thou hast called us. And Father, do forgive our many sins and our many shortcomings, even in the keeping of the fifth commandment. Help us to lean on the Lord Jesus Christ for our help. May we know the presence of the Spirit to help us as we walk in thy ways. And help us, Lord, again and again to flee to the Lord Jesus Christ for this help and our hope. Lord, we pray this all. In Jesus' precious and beautiful name, amen.